Welcome to another edition of the Superflight NBA Show, your Jean Dubuffet of NBA shows. Because at first glance, you might think that the show is pretty shallow and two-dimensional. But give another listen. It goes a little bit deeper. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Joe Borelli, coming at you from my studio in Brooklyn, New York. It is Monday, October 16th, 2017, and I'm happy to be back with you. Tomorrow we have some basketball. I'm super stoked about that, and I'm sure you are too. Um, What's up, everybody, real quick? uh, If you listen to the show, please rate and review on iTunes and help me climb the charts so other people can find me, and um, you can go to Almighty Bar and subscribe there, and you can find the show anywhere you find podcasts anywhere they're available. Uh, you can also tweet at the show at Superflight Pod. You can tweet at me personally at Joe Borelli. You can email the show superflightpodcast at gmail.com. And if you do, thanks for reaching out. It's always good to talk to you. And uh, yeah, so that's that. What's up, everybody? Let me think. Uh, man, it's like the first really crisp fall day here um, in New York. Well, maybe not the first, but it's one of the uh, the really fall, fall feeling days. And we've only had a few. It's the weather's been crazy. It gets really hot and then and then cool again. But yeah, today was man, it's chilly outside. But it it reminds me of like I don't know. It remind, I love Halloween. I know you guys know this about me because I keep saying it every time Halloween rolls around. Um, it reminds me of when I was a kid and I used to live in a city. And this city that I lived in, uh, my brother and I, we were kind of mischievous. It's probably mostly my fault but we were friends with a lot of kids on the block one year we got a couple of kids together and decided to go um raid another friend's houses i was just thinking about this for some reason um i don't know if you guys know what it means to raid a house i mean you know it means i'm sure you do but we got some eggs and we got some toilet paper and we got my dad's shaving cream and we found some corn and we knew he was going to be away with his family so and I'm I'm talking I'm like I'm like ten years old at this point right, maybe maybe ten maybe nine or ten I don't know I was a terrible terrible child what the hell's the matter with me we get all this stuff and we we go up to his house and we you know threw the eggs at the house and threw the corn and put toilet paper and shaving cream everywhere and we thought we were hilarious we thought it was gonna be great there's no way we were gonna get caught because you know who would know it was us well. Dumb us, you know, who else would it be? We're the only kids on that block. <laughs> like, for some reason, we didn't think that it would find us. We didn't think that they would figure it out. His parents would figure out that it was us. So they came home from wherever they were at. And they came, I mean, his parents, by the way, were always really amazing to us. They were the sweetest people. They were so nice. I don't know what I was thinking, getting the kids together and doing this thing. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big jerk. I've been a real big jerk at times in my life. Um, I don't know what I was thinking. I guess I just thought it would be funny. And maybe I was a little bit jealous of him because his family had more money than I did. And he always had the best toys. And I was like, well, we'll fix his ass. Right. And so we did that. And uh, kids are awful. I'm, I'm, me in particular, I was awful. Um, we did this. We ran home. We, we sat in our you know house. And we're like giggling and laughing. And like an hour and a half later, we get a knock on the door. And it's his parents. And... They're talking to my parents and my brother and I are looking at each other like, oh no, how did they know? How did they know? And they had us, they questioned us. My parents were like, can you come here for a minute? And we're like, oh, oh no. And then um, his parents, to their credit, were super nice. They were like, you know, somebody raided our house. Do you have any idea who this who this is? And we're like, no, we don't know. We don't know who did it, but, but we'll help you clean it up because, you know, I'm an idiot. And we were totally caught. They knew it was us, but they didn't really, you know, like yell or scream or make our parents uh, punish us. Although my parents kind of figured it was us too and weren't happy. Anyway, this is the stupid things you get into as a child. But we went up there and we spent the rest of the night cleaning up eggs and toilet paper and shaving cream off a house. We thought it was going to be hilarious. Turned out not to be so hilarious. But it does give me good memories of Halloween time. I don't know why. That's not a particularly great memory. Oh, I've got many, many more. Um, but yeah, mischievous children. Don't don't be stupid, kids. Don't don't throw corn at people's windows and break them. And don't don't uh, you know throw eggs at somebody's house and and ruin their house and and throw toilet paper and shaving cream. I mean, it sounds great, right? It sounds like a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm still a little mischievous, uh, but it was shame on me and shame on us. Shame on all of us. Uh, I know I lost touch with these kids. 
obviously over the years we moved away and I don't know whatever became of them, but I hope they're all doing well. And, um, Matt, I'm sorry. If you ever hear this podcast, I'm sorry. I raided your house. I was a jerk. Anyway, uh, Max Rappaport is coming up from, um, the step over podcast and from Sixers beat. And I think he's on Liberty ballers too. We're going to talk about Joel Embiid's contract extension. We're going to talk about Andrew Wiggins. Actually, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff and it's going to be fun to have Max on the show. And after these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Hey, Max, how are you? Good. How's it going? Oh, you know, sorry, I'm I'm a little tired. I'm recording already, but you can say anything you want. I'm probably going to cut the whole beginning out anyway. Oh, no worries. <laughs> how's uh, how's the West Coast treating you? It's good, man. Um, weather's really nice, although I see I'm coming back to Philly uh, tomorrow, and it looks awesome out there. It's like, I don't know. Are you from Philadelphia? I forget. Reading, that's Pennsylvania. Reading, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it looks awesome. It's like. 70 degrees and sunny every day <laughs> nice yeah it's uh, i'm in brooklyn now and it's chilly as fuck today man <laughs> like, really? I, can't, I can't get warm i'm just like Ugh. um yeah dude uh thanks for coming on the show first of all yeah no problem i've actually been trying to get a hold of you for some time now trying to get you on but somehow i've just always missed you oh just like through through twitter or something yeah 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 sorry yeah i uh i try as hard as i can to like make sure i see every uh like mention yeah. but if if yeah it's like hard sometimes i don't know oh yeah no, i'm sure if you if you go off to it i feel like if i go off twitter for like five hours then it's just like I'm, i just like give up on trying to catch up on all that <laughs> really yeah i don't have that problem nobody ever tweets at me so <laughs> <laughs> well i guess it's it's exclusively like if i've tweet if i don't tweet anything then it's then it's easy yeah. um but if i've like tweeted anything then it's just i just like hate the way twitter does notifications um like, I don't need to know, like, especially, well, I certainly don't need to know, like, every like or retweet, but, I like, I, I'd rather get less of that and more of, like, actual mentions. But also, I definitely don't need to know, like, eight people you follow tweeted about, you know, oh, hashtag I'm, me too. It's like, okay, well, I'm seeing that also. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. need you to tell me that in my mentions. Like, that's <laughs> not really helpful at all. I think you can turn that setting off because it's weird. I have two accounts and I usually only use the Superflight one because I'm fucking lazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but um, my my regular account, I always get these notifications that, hey, these people are tweeting about this. And I always think they're like, oh, somebody's trying to get in touch with me. No, it's just people are tweeting. Yeah. But on my Superflight account, on the, on the show account, it never it never says stuff like that to me because I think I have it turned off. So. Oh. I should do that. Yeah, oh, you should look into it. <laughs> I just read somebody's somebody was just uh, like they're out with Twitter, how it's become evil, and I don't know. Uh, I was just reading that. You'll you'll probably see it on online somewhere. I liked it. So if you see my likes, um. yeah, Twitter Twitter really sucks. Honestly, yeah. like <laughs> I I hate that I support it as a company, but it's sort of like. I don't know. I, I see it. Uh, it's like Chick-fil-A. It's like I, I don't support Chick-fil-A, but like if the chicken's going to be that good, I mean, I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah. Like I, if, if somebody wanted to create a competitor to Twitter that I, I honestly think like t- there's no like special sauce that Twitter has. Like, honestly, they, they do a lot of stuff that I, I mean, beyond the like politically and allowing like Nazis to be on the site yeah. and, and shit beyond that. Like just the interface isn't great. The app no. kind of sucks. Yep. They make changes all the time that aren't good. Like there could be competition. The problem is you'd have to have a pretty easy way to like import the people you're following or whatever from Twitter. Cause I don't want to start. O- I certainly don't want to start yeah, over. Exactly. That's like a good building point. A following. Right. That's but a even good just point. like then... who I follow. Like I, I feel like that's taken me a long time to curate and, It'd be hard to build that up again. Yeah, totally. That's a good. That's a good point too. And I don't think that Twitter would would easily give up their their information so that you could just carry it over to another. Unless you could save your settings somehow locally and then import it over. I don't think it would. You know, that you'd have exactly. You'd have to start all over again. That would be frustrating as hell. Yeah, Twitter should have a. And I've I've long said that I would pay for Twitter. Like I use it hours and hours a day like Mm -hmm. i am on twitter way too much and it's a problem but like i use twitter so much and the fact that i don't have to pay for it and like 
rarely even see ads on it is re- like and that they're not making money it like kind of just pisses me off because i feel like <laughs> there are enough people who would pay like i would gladly pay ten dollars a month for like a non-nazi version of twitter uh, just like just only with subscribers uh or i can like turn that shit off and maybe they make enough money where they can like, actually pay people to scrub the site of accounts yeah. that shouldn't exist but like seriously do you yeah. have do you have a lot of like Nazi followers? Do you get do you get into that somehow? I mean, like, do you get well, trapped in that in that that world somehow? Because I so I, I never I rarely see that stuff, but I'm so anti uh, everything that's in office right now. <laughs> I don't know if like if people just stay away from me because I'm so politically not politically active, but well, a, a little bit as much as I can be. But um, yeah, I, I tend I I don't I just don't see those things. Anytime I see a hate thing, I'm just like block. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's it's less actual Nazis and more just like when I first I would say last summer was the first time, you know, and I'm I'm a pretty politically active or like politically conscious, I mm-hmm. guess, person. Yeah. Um, but I, I for a long time, I kind of just kept that separate because it didn't feel like I needed to. But now it feels like everyone has to be political because it's. Yeah in our face all the time and it's important and that's the thing i think the i kind of i kind of had like eight years where i didn't have to do, like yeah of not feeling like i had to like go to war on twitter but I, I just didn't really engage with it but then last summer was you know i i think the first the first like even vaguely political thing i did was um i like made a tr- a joke it was during the the russian or the russian <laughs> the, or the republican <laughs> national convention same thing same thing convention. um republican national convention when melania trump gave the speech and like ripped off Mali- or uh yeah michelle, michelle obama's obama. speech um i just i just did like a string of tweets where it was like famous quotes through a lot of people were doing that just like you know like JFK's famous speech in Berlin, you know, whatever. Right. And then like her name at the bottom and people, I lost like 300 followers in one night, just making like five jokes about, about Melania Trump's speech, not even like about the politics of it or whatever. Like, and I think when I, and then I, you know, over time, like as the election got closer, I started tweeting a little bit more about like my actual thoughts on stuff Mm -hmm. and like lost a lot of, I mean, the vast majority of my followers are like process Sixers people, which I think trends younger trends a little bit more progressive. And like, um, I think it tends to be like city dwelling 20 somethings who are college educated, which just means I don't have a lot of Trump supporting followers, I, right. I find. But the ones I did have, I think a lot of them left early. Like as soon as I started tweeting about politics, they they were out. Um, but now I find that it's it's rare. But there are definitely people who follow like hate follow me, I think, at this point. Did, um, did they send like you a lot Sixers of like... fans? Go ahead. They're, they're Sixers fans, but they're like Sixers fans who don't fit into that demographic and like also maybe hate my Sixers takes too, like think that the process was bullshit. And so they're like, Howard Eskin get, fans. They're basically like Howard Eskin Twitter, <laughs> yeah. but they're like active enough on Twitter that they follow Derek and me and whatever. Yeah. Um, but, and I try, I, I guess I've tried really hard to not, uh, I feel like this is this podcast appearance is getting off to a, a weird start. No, dude, this is as, the best stuff. This is the best. <laughs> I feel like I try as hard as I can, and it's it's hard. But after the election, I kind of said to myself, like, okay, I want to treat this as rationally as possible. Like, mm-hmm. I hate half my relatives on Facebook mm-hmm, right now, but mm-hmm. like blocking them is probably not the best thing. Like, I have access to people who are, and like most of my family is not Trump support. You know, I, I'm like fortunate to like my parents and close family members and stuff are like pretty similar to me politically. But like I have the privilege, I guess, of of if you want to call it that, of being in the orbit of people whose minds I might be able to persuade. Yeah. Um, And I think the way to do that is like through actually engaging in a conversation and like maybe showing them why you believe the things you do about Black Lives Matter or about like you know, the Affordable Care Act or whatever it is, um, rather than just like shaming people. But it's really hard. Like when I have people jump into my mentions and like about like Colin Kaepernick and kneeling and shit, like I it's hard to not just react to that and like say you're an idiot. Oh, totally. Uh, Listen, man, I'm I'm actually on the opposite end of the spectrum. All of my family, except for my brother, supports Trump. And it's it's a really disheartening uh, experience. And I 
I feel completely let down by them because I love my family and I think they're they're intelligent, uh, thoughtful, caring people. But how they can let this go and just ignore what's going on is beyond me. And it, it, it's it's really hurtful to me. And I like I want to have the conversation with them. But I every time I try, I get way too angry and I only bring it up when I'm pissed off when he's done something incredibly stupid again. Uh, you know, just like nonstop. Thank, thankfully, it doesn't happen very often. Oh, yeah. yeah. It doesn't no, no. It's like nah, it hasn't happened. It's like once in the ni- last nine months. Right. Um, this part I might cut out. But, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's, it's a tough world to be in, man. I And, it, you know, you're really absolutely correct. It's I forget what podcast I was listening to, but it is important. It's really important for people who have a platform like you and like I and like you have way more followers than I do. But even the people that. Uh, do listen to me. I, you know, I think they should know that like, it's, it's not okay to support this kind of behavior. I got to cut all this out. I'm getting way too, I'm going to go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> this is going to get, I'm going to get heated and just start going off. <laughs> um, anyway, listen, Max, do you want to, you want to talk about the NBA? Yeah, sure. All right, let's, let's do, do that. Uh, anyway, yeah, I do. I do appreciate your thoughts on Twitter. But yeah, it's 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 Twitter's tough, man. It's it's a it's a world a weird world to be in right now. Anyways, speaking of weird worlds, how about Joel Embiid signing a four hundred forty eight million dollar contract that could be worth as much as one hundred seventy eight million if he hits certain criteria? Um, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think do you think they were the Sixers were smart to offer this now? Do you think they should have maybe waited until he hit free agency as a restricted free agent? What do you think? I mean, I guess my immediate I, it's kind of one of those things like uh, I think some people use tarot cards like this. Is, I'm, this is a weird way to start this. No, response. I like it. Go on. <laughs> you know, I think people have this thing where they, you know, might flip a coin to make a decision. And in flipping that coin, the side it comes up and how they feel about it, like informs how like kind of tells them something about themselves or what they really wanted in the long run. Same thing with like tarot cards. I mm-hmm. think people use tarot cards for that same thing where like. You see what comes up and then based on how you feel about that, you go like, oh, that is how I'm, you know, I do have this, uh, you know, anxiety about my job or whatever it is. Right. For me, the like tweet coming through the the Woj uh, notification on my phone with Joel Embiid signs $148 million five year deal was like, oh, thank God he's not going to leave in free agency. Yeah. Which that that was my immediate reaction. And it was like such a like visceral reaction to it of like positivity that I think that kind of tells me how I was feeling about it. And if, if you would ask me that like a week before, I would have been like, you know, like I really I a five year deal on that kind of money, even if you're getting some sort of guarantee, like unguaranteed money, you know, I would have given you some logical answer about it. But I think for me, just knowing that they have him for five more years, even if he gets hurt and. You know, the worst case scenario, I guess worst case scenario is they end up cutting him and he only makes for whatever it is, 48% of the remaining four I, years in the end. But yeah, but I, I, I think the real worst case, I realized the real worst case for me was he gets restricted free agency, takes a one year deal and goes somewhere else or like is pissed off and doesn't want to be here. Yeah, totally. Well, for me, here my thoughts on it are that I think they, they had to do it now. They had to do it now. You don't want to, we saw with, with Gordon Hayward, right? They, they waited to give him a contract extension and it ended up biting him in the ass biting them in the ass um where he was upset about it like they could have given him they could have given him a four-year deal and they could have kept him but they didn't and because they i mean listen the the difference in talent is not even close i mean gordon hayward's a really talented player but he's not joel Embiid. for the sixers you had to do this deal a and i think it's been talked about a lot already but the fact that if you do it now you can build in some protections against his injuries uh, so that was really important. But B, even more than that, is that, yeah, if you let him get to restrictor free agency, that's going to be like putting a bad taste in his mouth. That's going to show him that, like, we only want you around as much as we can guarantee that you're going to be good for us. So it kind of sets a precedent and says that we like you, but we don't really like you that much. We just like you for this franchise. And you know what I mean? And like, you could see that it would sour him personally. I think, I think. Maybe it could have soured him personally. <laughs> also, if you wait till he gets the restricted free agency, just like you said, somebody could offer him some crazy contract that if he does play the entire season and he's healthy the entire season and he he's he puts up incredible numbers, somebody would throw a contract at him for the absolute max. And then the Sixers would have to match it with no 
protections built in. So if they do it now, they, you know, if he gets an ankle or a back injury, I think were the things specifically built into the contract, they could cut him. And I think the least he would stand to earn is something like $84 million. If you waited to free agency, you would not even have that. So yes, it's probably going to end up ultimately if he gets injured, not this year or next year, if he gets injured to the point where he can't play, it's still going to cost them a lot of money, but they were able to get something out of him, get a concession from him to then protect the franchise a little bit. I think this is a no-brainer. I'm trying to figure out why people are so uh, worried about this contract, kind of against it. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think it's just sticker shock, right? Like, I, I think a lot yeah. of people, their reaction got baked in as soon as they saw the, the money. And then, you know, there was like a little bit trickling out. And it was probably a full day before we even really knew what the protection was or what the um, uh, unguaranteed amount was. Mm-hmm. But I think people just saw that number flash across, like, on their ESPN alert and was just and we're just like, oh, my God, he's played 31 games. He's just made $150 million. But I think you're totally right that a lot of people's reaction was, well, they could have just given him this contract in a year. And the reality is this this contract they decided him to is basically a it's like disaster insurance. It's only insurance for first off those two injuries, like you said, lower back or, or foot. Right. But I mean, really, if he had played this, if he was going to play this year, let's say they hadn't given him the contract. If he played 35 games this year and then had, you know, whatever, as long as it wasn't something that was going to knock him out for next season, too. Like, let's say, uh, you know, just some like problem with his back that kept him out the last half of the year. Mm -hmm. Somebody's probably still going to throw him a lot of money in free agency, probably close to that guaranteed 80 million. Like totally someone's going to still take a flyer on him. I mean, it really would have taken him having a career ending injury this year. I feel like for him or just, you know, another foot fracture or meniscus problem, you know, something that's like uh, perpetually been a problem for him, for him to not get a huge offer from somebody. So I just, I just don't see, there weren't that many scenarios where they would get through this year and get a better deal than what they ended up with. Yeah, I I mean, I've railed against Colangelo a little bit at times, especially for the Netherlands no-all trade. But for this one, I think he really hit the ball out of the park. I think he did a great job. And besides, aside from the Netherlands no-all uh, trade, I think he's done a really good job so far. I know you've been pretty pro-Colangelo. I've been pretty on the fence. But uh, I th- I think he did a great job with this. Yeah, I, I think it's I mean, honestly, this is a move they had to make. And I think if you can keep him happy and be happy and get some protection for yourself that in the case of the worst case scenario, you're still paying Embiid some money. But let's say this happens two years from now where he has another foot injury and the doctors are saying like he might not come back or it's going to be over a year. At that point, they could cut him. You'd only get around 50%, 52% or whatever it is back on the mm-hmm. remaining years. But you could even stretch that over, you know, you could use the stretch provision, let's say, and now it's seven years and you're looking at the remaining, however many, $70 million and you're stretching it over seven years. Now it's 10 million a year eating on your cap. Like you can live with that. Like yeah. that's, that sucks to have that like long-term burden. But as the cap rises and whatever, like that's, doable it becomes um, more and more manageable as the as the years go on as well yeah yeah so to me it's just like it was worth the risk i think you didn't want to get into a situation with Embiid where um he was unhappy and you know played whatever amount of games he did this year that was would be deserving of a big contract and now you're not only guaranteeing it all but now he's also like kind of pissed off that he had to do that but also I think a, a good point that I've seen people point out that I hadn't thought of immediately is you're you're asking him. I mean, Brett Brown just said today that he's probably going to play in the teens his first game. Mm-hmm. And Embiid seemed kind of surprised by that or taken aback. Like the Sixers are going to be asking Embiid probably for the rest of his career, or at least for the foreseeable future, to like miss back to backs and probably like keep his minutes relatively low during the regular season or even when they're like. I could even see a point like three years down the line, like even if he's healthy, where they're like, you know what, do we, you know, we were playing three games in five days. Like, why don't we rest him for one of these or why right. don't we keep his minutes relatively low leading into the playoffs? Like you're going to be asking him to do things, especially this season before that contract would have been signed that I think he would have balked at if he's in his contract year and you're telling him he can only play 
18 minutes in the opener and not play back to backs for the first few months of the season. Like he's probably pushing a lot more and also less likely to tell you if he's hurt or if if something feels not right. Um, And that's already been a problem with him where he's seemingly played through stuff. I mean, even with the initial foot injury before the draft, he like played on that for like another week and then was like, oh, yeah, my foot's been hurting me a little bit. And they went in and it was broken. (laughs) So it's like I don't want him pushing for a contract this year. Like I'd rather him be on board with the slow process of it. That's a really, really good point. And, you know, speaking of foot injuries, man, did you see the highlights of the game or did you see the game from Miami the other night or not from Miami? Yeah. Yeah. When he came down with that sprained ankle or whatever happened to his ankle, oh my I, god, he grabbed. I thought he was grabbing at his foot, and I was like, "Oh my god, no, not this again, please, God, no." It, it's, not preseason in yeah. Lawrence or whatever Kansas, Kansas City, yeah. Like, oh god, I was, and that's the thing. Like, I think everybody in Sixers Nation, ha- every actually everybody around the NBA now, because everybody <laughs> loves Joel Embiid. Like, it doesn't matter what team you root for, you want to see this kid play, and. Every time he lands, I'm afraid he's going to shatter, which sucks. But it's it's absolutely correct what you're saying about Brett Brown and the, and the organization not letting him play, you know, 30 minutes a game right off the bat or back-to-backs. I mean, I would like to see him play as much as I possibly can, but it, obviously his future is way more important. Because honestly, he has so much raw talent. If he stays healthy for the next 10 years, he is a Hall of Famer. I don't think that's an exaggeration. No. And um, to, to, you know, to, to risk that just by getting him a couple extra minutes here and there or by playing him two nights in a row, I just think it's it's foolish. And as as a fan, as a fan of the Sixers and a fan of the NBA, of course, I want to watch him play. But, you know, I think we all need to exercise a little bit of patience with this whole thing. Um, and then the other part of it is here's one thing, though, that against what you're saying, not against what you're saying, but like. They're built into this contract. He could earn $178 million, right? And I think this year he would have to make, uh, what is it, first team All-NBA well, or so this, or this was kind of Yeah, this was kind of interesting because that was another, seemingly another wrinkle of the contract extension mm-hmm. was normally a player in order to make Supermax would, since Embiid hasn't hit any of the markers in these first three seasons, this last year he would either have to be um, make an all NBA team. I think any of them first, second or third okay. be defensive player of the year or MVP. Right. And the wording, I think it was Woj. I think Woj put out an article that kind of gave, or maybe it was Zach Lowe or something that gave the details of the contract. And in that it said he had to make MVP or be defensive player of the year. And I don't know if that was just Woj or Lowe or whoever I'm forgetting who wrote it, mm-hmm. um, forgetting that all NBA was one of those. Right. But it seemed almost like the Sixers wrote in there. No, 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 no. Like you can't be third team NBA and make this. It's only if you are MVP or defensive player of the year, which is he probably has like a five percent chance of winning defensive player of the year right. and like a zero percent chance of MVP. So. Right. I, I actually thought that's it was true. I thought it was first team all NBA. I wasn't. Sh- I didn't know about the. Oh really? I think it was first team. So maybe that's. Maybe there is some confusion there. Or maybe it's first team. Maybe they changed it to first team, and that's the difference. Uh, I remember maybe. seeing that. It, yeah. But, that, but even so, I think I think all of those are probably a little. A little all M- third yeah. team all NBA wouldn't be crazy if that if that is included. But I I still think with the minutes he's going to play and whatever. I mean, he'd have to make it over. You know, you figure. Marcus all and uh, Carl Towns and Jokic yeah. and all those. Well, Jokic, I don't think it's and yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I know, but I was gonna say, I think it, it maybe they can come into a problem where he feels like he's up for those minutes, or he feels like he's up for those awards. And what if they just notice this and they're like, no, nah, no, nah, let's hold him out. Let's hold him out a couple games just so he to make sure that we can keep that contract mm-hmm. low. Do you think there's any? Any thought of that? I mean, any chance that could happen? And that could actually cause a little bit of a, a friction in the locker room and everything, you know? I can't imagine it only because they made... Brian Colangelo said this in the past about um, specifically his time with the Raptors, with DeMar DeRozan uh, and that contract extension, but has like mentioned that he, he thinks it's important to keep guys happy who earned a contract. So I, mm-hmm. I think... It would kind of go against like they they went out and they signed Embiid on the front end for, I think, reasons that we talked about, like getting some of that insurance um, with unguaranteed money and whatever. But I I think 
I'd have a hard time imagining they'd be pinching pennies over like thirty million dollars over five years to like cinematic game. I, yeah. I mean, that would just be messed up, and it would rightfully so piss Embiid off. And I just think it's like not worth that I to actually, maybe get him to not make it. I think you're absolutely right, and it, it would make the franchise look so bad. Imagine how great they would look if Embiid comes out in his first year and gets first team All NBA. That would be an incredible boom for not only him and the franchise. It would be great for the franchise. They would love to have that. I think. Well, yeah, and I think you're right that there's there's a built-in benefit of that, which is like the Sixers are trying as hard as they can to look like a destination immediately. Like right. I think if next summer if they could go out and sign a top five free agent, that would be excellent for them, and they can potentially create the money. I mean, Embiid getting that extra five million a year would hurt that, but I think that amount, that whatever amount it would hurt, it would be offset by the allure of coming and playing with a defensive player of the year Embiid or a first team all NBA Embiid. Yeah, totally. You know, one thing I forgot and I wanted to ask you, and maybe you have an opinion on it. Maybe you don't, maybe you know more about it than I do. I don't really know that much about it, but does this, does them giving Embiid the contract hamper their ability to sign Robert Covington at all? Cause I know he's eligible in November, but I don't know if, if they've tied <coughs> up too much money in Embiid now that like that it would actually hurt their chances of signing him. Or do you know anything about it? Yeah, so the way that my understanding of the way the MB or the Covington extension works is you're basically whatever he's going to make in future years is um, I mean, that'll be affected, I guess, by how much cap you have with Embiid. Um, but in terms of his extension, like the idea of it is you basically take his I think he's making around two million dollars or a little bit less than that this year. You take that amount of money and you up it. You basically use all your remaining cap space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the six I'm looking right now trying to find the number they have I have it in front of me one sec no it's okay go ahead they have like 13 million dollars in cap space right now 13 and a half okay um so they can up Robert Covington's salary from yeah he's making 1.6 this year so they could make that closer to 15 you know or 14 or whatever add um or I'm sorry yeah they could add like a little under $14 million to that this year. Okay. And then whatever they extend them to on the contract next starting next year, they would just take that $14 million and remove it from that contract. So instead of signing a, let's make the numbers easy. Instead of signing a four year, $80 million a year or $80 million deal, he'd sign a four year, $67 million deal. Cause it'd be $13 million less or $14 million less or whatever. So it won't affect because Embiid's money doesn't change for this year with the extension, mm-hmm. like the money kicks in next year. Okay. It'll, the only thing it'll affect is it limits their cap space, right? Like now you have next, like next year's cap space. So next year Embiid's going to make $25 million and Covington, let's say makes $12 million after, you know, getting that bump this year. So if I think that the extension, I think, is going to happen no matter what. And it almost sounds like they've already pretty much come to an agreement on that. Mm-hmm. But let's say instead of making $15 million a year moving forward, Covington's now going to make $12 million because you're giving him, you know, the equivalent of $3 million a year for four years now. You're giving him an extra $13 million. Okay. It, like in a, in a basically just like cash you're handing him in November. So, um, I guess the way it hurts you, the MB, the MB extension hurts you because instead of him being on the books for, I think it would have been like $18 million next year in, in the form of a cap hold. Mm-hmm. Now it's his actual $25 million salary. So you just have $7 million less in free agency to work with. So whereas it, it's kind of weird because for years I haven't had to think about any of these CBA rules right. because the, you just like, oh, yeah, like. Uh, the the cap floor was like the only thing you thought about, and yeah. you never had to think about the mid level exception or the biannual exception or like matching salaries wasn't even a thing. Like you just take on like three times as much money as you were giving out, or not give out any money. You know, give yeah. out you they... bomb and take on money. Like <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's it's uh, I'm like trying to brush up on that again, but yeah, it's interesting because I didn't expect it to happen so quickly. But basically, next year they're looking at. I mean, they don't have a max contract to give out. They'd have to do some finagling. And one of those things is well, JJ Okafor and what was that? JJ Reddick's salary is coming off the books next year. So that's 23 million right there, right? Yeah. The problem, though, is then you replace that with Embiid's 25 million. Oh, so that's I mean, a good I'm, point. Yeah. So they have, they basically have like $66 million uh, committed right now, but that doesn't include 
Ben Simmons is six million dollars, which he'll get. So that's seventy two million dollars. Then mm-hmm. that doesn't include. This is the big one. Okafor is six million dollars next mm-hmm. year, which you have an option to decline in the next couple weeks. Um, I think they might do that. <laughs> I, I think they kind of have to, yeah, right? Like yeah. it's just not worth. The only reason I might not do that is you'd have to think like the Suns or the Nets or the Bulls or something would just take them for nothing just to like take a flyer on them, right? Like if if you were the Sixers two years ago, you would have taken the equivalent of Julio Okafor for nothing, right? Right. Just to like try and for one year at six million dollars, right? Of course, can do something. Somebody's definitely going to grab him if he's out there for nothing. Sure. So I, I guess I kind of feel like maybe it's worth it because there's not really much of a downside. Like I can't see a scenario where you couldn't dump him next summer. Um, then Holmes is another 1.6. McConnell's another 1.6. TLC is one and a half. Your draft picks are going to be another, depending on where they are. Like, and if the Lakers pick conveys, it could be pretty high. So that could be another like seven or eight million dollars. It kind of all adds up, mm-hmm. and you get to a point where. Um, you might need to shed Bayless, which is probably where they'd go because he's making like nine million next year mm. on a one year deal. Like he'd be pretty easy to dump. Yeah. And then you, you do kind of wish you could bring back J.J. Redick too. like, yeah, if he plays well. He seems like he fits really well with the roster. And if, especially if you're getting rid of Bayless at that point, like you kind of get to a point where you have to make a decision like either next year you let everyone walk like you let Amir Johnson and Redick and trade Bayless and all that and try to sign someone big. I don't know who that is. Right. I mean, LeBron James is out there. Um, (laughs) Kevin Durant's out there potentially. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But um, yeah, but if you do that, you're really strapped. I mean, at that point, that's it, which might be fine because you have between Korkmaz and McConnell and Holmes and Justin Anderson, you know, you have and Dario, you have guys who can fill out the roster. It's not. Yeah, you know, for sure. I actually like get the feeling. I actually get the feeling that JJ would probably come back for a longer, uh, a longer contract and a lot less money if things go yeah. really well this year. I get, I just get the feeling like you know he lives in Dumbo in Brooklyn and like to commute to Philly. I think his wife wants to be here. I don't know if you saw that. That uh, yeah, yeah, that little thing they put online about him. But it, it seems like he would want to be here. Maybe maybe he goes to Brooklyn next year. I don't know. But we're getting <laughs> we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Um. Listen, let's speaking of Embiid in that game that happened the other night. Let's talk a little bit about this budding rivalry between Hassan Whiteside and Joel Embiid. Um, did you see any of their tweets afterwards after the game? I mean, yeah, I, I caught it. I caught it kind of in the middle. Like I was off Twitter for like thirty minutes, and then I came back, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I just like saw everyone posting screenshots of like Embiid's three tweets. So it was, I didn't realize how it had started when I first looked at it because. Um, I thought Embiid had like clapped at Whiteside, which then it, right. it looked like that wasn't really how it started. It was like Whiteside. Somebody had tweeted at Whiteside that that like basically JoJo's a clown for like going one for seven and yeah, talking exactly. shit. Um, I, I love it though. I think it's I think it's awesome, and I think it's really funny that for like no real reason, Embiid and Whiteside have this like weird beef that's been going on <laughs> for like two years. I know it's um, great. Well, I I think the reason is that like. You know, obviously Hassan Whiteside has been one of the best uh, shot blockers and defenders at the center position in the league for the last couple of years. And to see Joel Embiid just come in, he's what, in his fourth, I guess this is his fourth year, but he's playing 31 games to get all that attention that uh, maybe, you know, Hassan Whiteside feels like should be his. Maybe he feels like he's the better player and he's worked really hard to get here. I could see why he'd be a little bit perturbed about Joel Embiid, who's just loving life and just goddamn good at basketball. I can see why we get under his skin. Apparently Jojo likes to talk some smack on the court too. So, but I think, I think he does it in good fun. I don't really think he's malicious about it. And I think that's what happened in the tweets as well. He was saying, um, uh, what did he say? Something about, ah, it doesn't even matter. I'm going to botch it. so, but yeah, I, I love the idea that this is, is a budding rivalry and they go hard at each other, man, whenever they're playing. It looks good for the future. Do you think that um, it's going to carry over into games? I mean, are you excited? Are you more excited about this? The idea that we have a Joel Embiid Hassan Whiteside rivalry now, like Miami and Philly, could be a real, a real potential rivalry in the NBA. I honestly think that with Embiid, if he's healthy and the Sixers are good, they're going to have a rivalry with a lot of teams. Yeah. <laughs> I just think he's going to start shit with everyone. Um, I, I think the the big one that I look at, and this is a weird one because they're not in the same conference, but mm-hmm. I think the Lakers are just naturally going to be one yeah. because of Lonzo and Simmons and Embiid and, and, and even just the Lonzo Fultz thing. I think that's going to be a comparison people make for a long time. And oh, yeah. 
hopefully that ends up all right. Although Lonzo Ball looks pretty good, um, and Fultz does also, not, <laughs> and and Fultz hasn't so far, um, yeah. which is okay. But yeah, I I think uh, I mean the Heat could be that. I'm just looking ahead like. There is a potential that either of those two teams are fighting for playoff seeding. Mm-hmm. If if everything goes well in Philly, that could be two teams that are right around the same spot next year. If things go really well, it could be a four or five or or a you know probably not a six three. I don't think the Heat have that kind of upside, but no. I could see it being a four or five matchup in the first round. Um, I think I think the the stuff stuff's going to develop kind of naturally, and I think a lo- so much of it's based on playoff. Um, implications, yeah. Implica- playoff implications, and if the Sixers do make the playoffs, that well, whoever they play in the first round, like I could even see it being with the Wizards and just being like a dumb rivalry that doesn't make sense just because we happen to play the Wizards in the first round or something. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I was looking at the schedule. They play uh, the Heat and and Sixers play in Philly on March eighth, and that could have some real playoff. Um, sort of atmosphere. So they could be playing, they could be both playing for something. Like if, if Philly, if Embiid stays healthy, like God, I don't, I don't even know where, like where would they fall? Fourth is the fourth seed too, too high. I mean, I think yes, but, but man, I mean, the East is so bad. And, and I think Miami is going to be a lot better this year than, at least I expect them to come out of the gate a yeah. lot hotter this year than they did last year. But Boy, that could be such a, a great rivalry to look forward to. Ha, that's hard to say. Rivalry to look forward to. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just a little bit, I'm pretty <laughs> excited about it. Every time I, I look at it and I'm just like, yeah, that's, I, I get excited. It's, it's going to be fun. Um, speaking of contracts, though, do you want to talk about, let's let's move away from the Sixers. I know that's your team and that's what you do. You you Do you still write for Liberty Ballers? You have it. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, every, every so often. It's been less and less, I think, over time just as, I like have moved and started a new job and I, I just have less time for it. Yeah. I think everybody, everybody that I started, everyone that I started following on Liberty Ballers years ago is, has now moved on pretty much. Um, but it's okay. I always, I envy all you guys that you can actually write. Cause I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't write anything. <laughs> I'm terrible at it. Um, but what was I saying? Uh, Andrew Wiggins just got a five year, $150 million contract as well. So, and I think this was also kind of a no-brainer for the Wolves. He's, you know, he's young. He's 23. And he averaged 23 points a game last year. Um, and he's got, like, the weird thing about Andrew Wiggins is that he came into the league. And I remember as a Sixers fan years ago when he got drafted, we were all so hoping desperately that he would drop to us. I think we had the third overall pick that year. Um, and everyone was touting his defensive potential. Like, he's really athletic. He that seemed to be his calling card in college. And since he hasn't shown anything on the defensive end, and this is going to lead up to a debate that uh, I've seen on Twitter and we'll talk about it in a little bit. But do you like this signing for the Wolves? Do you think it was a good, good signing? Do you think he's going to be able to work with Jimmy Butler? Um, thoughts. Give me your thoughts. I mean, I guess what I'll say is a few thoughts about Andrew Wiggins. I think for the Wolves, it is a no brainer because you He's a really talented player. I mean, he has a lot of flaws and isn't exactly what we thought he was going to be coming in, which is a really nice two-way player. Mm-hmm. He's only 23. I guess he still had or 22. Um, oh, yeah. I guess he'll be 23 in February. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. He's only 22. He still has the potential to turn into a good defender, although right now he's pretty bad at it. Similar to Carl Towns, like both have the potential to like figure that out, especially with... Um, uh, with Tibbs, Tibbs, I feel like, and, yeah. and and Jimmy Butler just being there, and Taj Gibson, I feel like just changes the atmosphere a little bit. Um, I think it's a no-brainer just because he's really talented, and in the NBA, you just don't let guys like that walk. It's like Ennis Cantor, and and that, this is like even on the worst end of it, not like like Wiggins is way better than Ennis Cantor, but it's like or Yusuf Nurkic, but it's like you don't let those guys hit restricted free agency and let them let them walk. Like that just doesn't happen. Um, you kind of bring guys back and then figure out what to do with them once they're on your roster. So if there isn't a fit or whatever, I think it's still the right move because now you have this 22 year old, really nice prospect, even if he's kind of a one dimensional player right now, um, who you can get something for if it doesn't work with Jimmy Butler. I think though, um, as a Sixers fan, it's interesting to look back, like you said, look back on where we were three years ago when, or yeah, three years ago, I think it was three years. Yeah. 
yeah, it was 2014. So like three and a half years ago and how much we wanted Andrew Wiggins and like kind of how, I mean, it, it, we'll see what happens with Embiid's health and whatever. But I mean, if you told me right now I could trade Embiid knowing everything I know about Embiid for Wiggins, I wouldn't do it. No. Even though Wiggins has missed like three games his entire career so far. <laughs> and Joel Embiid's like missed a hundred and whatever, 50. Uh, I don't More know. How, I don't know how I just forgot that uh, that Embiid and Wiggins were drafted in the same draft. It totally blows my same, mind. Same team, same college team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I just think it was. It might end up being one of the more like fortuitous things in a franchise's history that Embiid got hurt. I mean, it sucks to say this, but got hurt the week before the draft, fell to the Sixers at three, and. You know, it could have been Wiggins or it could have been Jabari Parker or Dante Exum or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm just happy it's Embiid. But I think I still believe in Wiggins as a prospect. Like, I would love to have a player like that on the roster. I just, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work with Butler. Um, you know, I don't have a ton of faith in him just like all of a sudden going from being one of the worst defensive players to a plus. It's kind of like, yeah, this, this is more like Sixers, which I guess is makes sense we'll keep it sixers but like <laughs> if you remember when drew holiday came into the league it was kind of a similar thing i mean he wasn't the prospect that wiggins was right but he was seen as his big upside was that he's super athletic and can defend and like also has some offensive upside and then ended up really not being that at all and just being like an offensive player who is like below average defensively and that's kind of what wiggins has been it's like he came in with this idea that you had this idea that he was gonna be this great two-way player and probably better defensively and has pretty much turned into an offensive-only player and a below-average defensive player. Yeah, it just – and the thing about it is the thing that blows my mind about both him and Carl Anthony Towns is, you know, Tom Thibodeau is supposed to be this defensive genius. And they both have – I think Cat's first year, he was actually really good on the defensive end. And last year, they were terrible. They were terrible. I think um, Andrew Wiggins had – I think he was like – the second to worst guard in the league on defense. And it just, mm-hmm. it, it blows my mind how that happens. What, what happened there? Maybe, maybe Tibbs is just running a really complex defensive scheme that they can't quite get their heads around yet. But it's really interesting to me to see somebody. I, I just don't see how you lose that potential, that defensive potential going from, cause I think he was a good defender defender in college. But then again, if he's on the same team with Joel Embiid, we've seen that Joel Embiid has the ability to make everyone <laughs> on his team better on defense. I don't know how he does it, but somehow he covers up everyone's flaws. So maybe that was the, maybe that was the thing there. Maybe just by the fact that he was on the same team with Embiid, he didn't have to cover up so much. He didn't have to take up so much ground and, and stop so many people because Embiid was there to do it. So maybe we it's all over at that point. Yeah. And maybe we all just overrated his defensive ability. It's just, it's bizarre that that drop off that happened that, you know, we, everyone said coming in, to the NBA, the one thing he's going to be good at, even if his three-point shot never comes around, even if he can't really shoot, even if he can't get to the rim, he's still going to be really great on defense. And it's the exact opposite. Just that 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 whole thing just kind of blows my mind. You don't really see that swing sort of ever. But, you know, that's... I don't know what that is. I don't know what, that, <laughs> know what else to say about that. It's just bizarre. Um, but let me ask you this. So there's this crazy... Speaking of defense and, and defense that we didn't see coming out of players, this is crazy debate going on, on on Twitter the last couple of days. And I think it has a lot to do with my friend James Holes um, about who would you rather have on your team, Robert Covington or Andrew Wiggins? So let me ask you, who would you rather have on your team? Um, This is hard. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's if, not we're ta- easy. if we're talking if we're talking long term, it's Wiggins. I just think. Wiggins, even at the money he's going to make, is is just a better, such a better prospect, has so much more upside. Um, if we're talking for the Sixers and like only this season, I kind of think it's Robert Covington. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a team that doesn't need Andrew Wiggins scoring necessarily or is getting scoring from other places, I don't think he does that much else. He kind of reminds me like right now, he very much reminds me of Rudy Gay. Like that's the kind of player that I think he is. And it's like that's fine if you really need scoring like he can do that and he's going to hurt you in other areas and he's like gonna kind of command too much of the offense to justify his scoring like that's why I don't like Andrew Wiggins right now Mm -hmm. um especially on a team and maybe the Bulls or the Bulls maybe the 
the Wolves are kind of that now in that they have Butler and Towns is obviously such a good scorer that maybe they maybe they're kind of in that same league where they don't really need Andrew Wiggins to score 23 points a game. Mm-hmm. Like I think Robert Cum- what Robert Covington does is just more valuable um right now to an NBA team. Like if you could tell the I mean, pick a contender, if you could tell the Cavs like either right now for this run you could have Andrew Wiggins or you could have Robert Covington. Probably Robert Covington is the more valuable player for them just because he fits. He fits with like anything they want to throw out there. Doesn't need the ball in his hands, defends and hits open shots. Yeah, totally. He really is. He really has become the Sixers three and D guy. And it's 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 funny, too, because. If you want to compare and contrast the two players, as I just said, Wiggins came in. We were thinking, like, if the if nothing else, he will at least be a really great defender. And w- when Covington came in, when he came in from the D League, you know, he was a three point shooter, and we all know that Hinky was like kicking himself because he passed him in the draft, didn't get him, and then he finally got to claim him off of off of the D League, and he came in, and he was he was his one skill was a three point shooter. He was really great at knocking down <coughs> that shot. And then over the course of last year something happened where he took this he made this transformation from just a three-point shooter to well now he can drive a little bit he can handle the ball a little bit but his defense has become so incredibly good he's a really he's a lockdown defender on the wing which is something that no one saw coming from him so you're talking about two guys that went in the exact opposite directions um and honestly for me I agree totally for the Sixers, Robert Covington is definitely more important. Long term, I mean, Andrew Wiggins only 22 years old, man. How could you pass him up? I still believe that his defense is going to come around. He's so athletic that he's going to figure it out at some point, I think. I think. But And then, yeah, you know, he's also, he's because he's so young, that contract isn't so bad. But I just like the debate that's happening on Twitter. Here's the one thing that is good about Twitter. Like, stupid conversations like this it can actually be like really good to get your mind running and like have these really interesting conversations but most of the time yeah it's just nazis and bullshit but anyway you want to talk a little bit about maybe cj mccollum he was uh he was suspended recently for running onto the court i don't even know if he ran he just got on the court when his uh team was in a altercation and he got up off the bench so there's, you know, this this rule about you're not supposed to leave the bench when there's a an altercation on the court or a fight. And so he got hit with a, a fine and suspension. And the other day, Evan Turner tweeted about it. And he was like, you know, incredulous, as one would be, that he, he got suspended for one game. And I don't know, I made a tweet that rules is rules. And Evan Turner actually answered me. <laughs> it was like laugh out loud, something. I don't know. I think he deleted it since, but... I got a reply from Evan Turner, and that's the feather in my cap for the next year. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the role? What do you think about about CJ McCollum getting suspended? I mean, I I I understand the blanket rule or why like leagues want to have blanket rules like that. I just think more often than not, that rule when I've seen it applied, and maybe the reason I'm seeing it applied in this way is that it stands out when it's like, oh, a guy took three steps off the bench and now he's suspended for a game. Mm-hmm. I just feel like overwhelmingly that rule when it comes up is like, oh, really? That guy's going to miss a game because he like stood up in the heat of the moment and like didn't even get involved, really just like pulled guys away. Like, I don't know. I, I understand the, the desire for the rule. But if you watch the video, it's like there's a fight happening right in front of him and he gets up not like looking to swing. He just like gets up like, whoa, what's going on? Like trying to like keep guys see I mean, he didn't like get that close it's like before he could even get to the pile of guys or he, the like he got on thing, the court he was in the pile he got out on the court and then like an assistant coach kind of came out and like yeah, pulled grabbed him away. Him right away but it wasn't like a hold me back thing it wasn't like he no, was no, looking no. to fight he was just clearly like oh shit let me like help my guys out here yeah i think um, his natural instinct was probably to break it up because he seems like a nice guy you know like no nobody wants to get you know he doesn't nobody wants to get suspended or you know anything like that um but yeah, you have to be conscious of that thing. Yeah, I just think I, I guess the spirit of the I, I think there should be more leeway with that rule, because I feel like more often than not, it gets um, when it's used or when it when a player gets suspended because of it, it seems like it's somewhat innocuous. Like it's just a reaction in the moment where they're getting up and like naturally there's like a big fight happening in front of you and you like have this this like instinct to get up and like try to break it up or like protect your guys or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess I understand it. I just think it's like, 
the league the league could look at this and go like okay like let's fine him fifteen thousand dollars and not suspend him a game like right he didn't get involved in the fight he as soon as he was pulled away he stood he stood off to the side like i don't know i just think there could be a little more discretion Here's the thing that I actually like about the role. And yeah, it sucks that CJ McCollum got suspended. Luckily, they're playing Phoenix, so it's not really going to hurt them at all for their opener. Yeah. Um, but the thing I do like about it is if you don't... All right, so you suppose you hand out punishment based on you know the person, based on the player, based on the circumstance. So it's whatever... It's up to Adam Silver then to decide who gets what punishment for what, Right. Now you're encroaching upon NFL territory where Roger Goodell can just do whatever the hell he wants unchecked. Mm -hmm. He can hand out fines to whoever he wants. He can suspend people for whatever he feels, right? I think the rule is harsh, but it's also harsh because there were some harsh times in the NBA. Um, And I'm not a person that likes black and white things. I I don't think anything in this world is black and white. There are varying shades of gray to every aspect of life. So I'm, I'm, with you on that aspect of it but but at the same time if you start saying that like yeah you know it was cj mccallum he's a good dude let's let's just give him a fifteen thousand dollar fine and he can play then the next person that comes out who's maybe not a great dude and actually tries to go for a fight yeah you could say okay then he gets suspension but it's not it's not really fair i actually appreciate the rule being what it is it sucks that he wasn't using his brain and and just instinctively reacted and he's going to miss a game but I think the rule is better. I think it's more helpful than it is harmful, in, at least in this case. Any thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I think just generally, um, I, I I get I get that, too. Like, I get that that yeah, there's like no real right answer. No, like really, either yeah. you're you're applying the rule in a way that's going to seem unfair because it's not even or there are times where players seem to get a break or whatever or you're just not going to look at circumstance at all which i think is also can be unfair and mm-hmm. doesn't look at the actual situation so i don't know i guess i i also just feel like um it feels like a like a zero tolerance policy when there doesn't need to be one like i think it was i'm pretty sure that was a was that a post malice at the palace yeah that was all thing. malice of the palace stuff yeah and, and i just i just feel like that's not really i don't think there's much threat of that happening again and i don't think a player getting off the bench in that situation is the like that that's the line you draw necessarily. I think maybe the lines like getting off the maybe the getting off the bench is a fine getting off the bench and in some way being involved in the altercation is a suspension. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think it's a rule they could look at again and say, all right, maybe maybe if you swing or maybe if you like touch somebody on the court. But then again, I mean, if you if you allow guys to get off the bench and get involved then that's when it starts to turn into something else and i'm not saying these guys are dumb i'm not saying they can't self-regulate that's not it at all i think maybe they could look at the role um and it's unfortunate but i think overall i'm not i'm not really upset by it um and i'm I'm okay with them suspending him for one game it sucks it sucks i'd like to see him on the court but you know if you don't take a stand somewhere what, what do you stand for i don't know and overall I think the league has done a really good job about like being very fair to their players. I think Adam Silver has been a really, really good commissioner so far and done things, you know, in, in the interest of his players. Um, Rather than again, like I hate to contrast it with the NFL, but like the NFL, I don't even watch anymore. I'm so disgusted by how they're handling everything in that league from injuries to protests to, their almighty dollar being threatened and then they want it's just it it's been it's become really disgusting and the and the unfettered power that Roger Goodell has is ridiculous. So I kind of enjoy the way the NBA is set out. I think they're a really progressive league. It's it's part of the reason I really enjoy watching them because I feel like it's not just I feel like the NBA in a weird way is sort of a mirror for what we would want our society to be. Almost. Is that too much? <laughs> Maybe maybe a little bit, but I, I, I agree. Of all of the four major leagues, it's the closest. Yeah. <laughs> it's a utopia, man. Come on. Uh, anyway, listen. Um, all right. Let's talk about faults real quick. All just, right. Just because you're a Sixers guy, and I don't know why else I would have you on here. But thank you for doing around the NBA with me quickly, too. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Um, are you worried about Markel Fultz? Are you worried about his shoulder? Do you think the—well, first of all, his shot has gone totally sideways. 
Do you think it has more to do with him actually being injured than he's let on or that we might even know? Um, I, I kind of do. I mean, and he's even said some stuff recently, like I think yesterday at practice, he was asked about it and said that, um, you know, the, the reason this shot looks weird is because of a shoulder injury. Mm -hmm. The whole thing kind of seems weird to me. It just doesn't seem right. Like, Either he was experiencing some pain in his shoulder, didn't tell the trainers. They only really noticed it when he started shooting weird because it was he played like two preseason games Mm -hmm. without, you know, just with his shot looking weird. And then all of a sudden it was like he was missing a game because of shoulder soreness, which was new. And then knee soreness, which is like, I guess, something he's dealt with on and off for a little while since going back to college. But like the, the shoulder injury if you didn't know any better, just like came up in the middle of preseason, but it seems like something that was causing the the weird shooting motion. But it's like, I don't know, it just kind of smells to me like something that's going to turn into something bigger, kind of like Jared Bayless's injury did last year, Mm. where it started as like wrist soreness. And at first you were like, oh, his wrist sore. It's preseason. They'll probably like sit out for the preseason and they'll be back. And then ended up like playing three games and then having surgery. Like, I just worry that there's more to it. Yeah, that they're not leading on about. And the fact that he's coming off the bench doesn't bother me. I just think it's weird. Like the the thing that I guess is so weird to me is if his shoulder is so messed up right now or so sore or whatever that he can't shoot properly. Why is he playing? Why is he playing? And if if he is playing, it makes me think this isn't something that's going to necessarily get better. Like this is thing that's either going to heal on its own or require surgery like if it was just like a sprain or whatever, they would just rest him until it was better. But the right. fact that they're having him play through it makes me think that it's there's some it's something different. It's not like just a normal little thing that like just requires some rest. So yeah, I don't know what to think. You know, when I first heard about it, it was like the shot maybe being affected by his his sore shoulder. I was I, the thought that ran through my head because I've had this happen was he, maybe he tore a rotator. I'm like, oh my god. No, because that's horrible. That's like that's a serious injury. But then, you know, there's no way they would keep him out there if he tore his rotator cuff. Um, but it is really weird. And I just I I don't know where this is all coming from. Like, have we ever seen a person come into the NBA before and change the shot that got them drafted first overall? No, I don't know where this whole thing is coming from. Um so it, the only thing, I mean, the obviously rational jump you could make is that, yeah, it's got to be an injury. It's It's got to be something like that. And you're absolutely right. If he's injured to the point that it's changing his shot, sit him down. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I just, and the other thing about this this equation with this team is that like, I do not trust the Sixers training staff, or not training staff, their, their medical staff at all. I mean, they've given us every reason over the last several years to not, give them any of our trust they've not that they've outright lied about injuries but they've been so secretive about everything that's happened all the way back to Bynum and I think there's a little bit of a built-in sort of uh, knee-jerk reaction with Sixers fans at this point like you know we're waiting for something bad to happen a we've seen this happen for five years in a row like somebody gets injured and they're out for the season but the other thing is like just they're they're so not again not dishonest but dishonest by not talking about it I feel that I, I kind of wonder what's going on. How do you feel? Yeah. 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 I, I feel the same way. And it's, I don't know. I just, I've, I've learned as a Sixers fan to expect the worst. Yeah. And <laughs> sadly. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It just, I mean, it wouldn't be, it's weird. It sounds weird to say, but I, maybe it's just like where I'm at and where the, where the team's at. But like, if you told me be- or Mark Alfold had to like sit for a month or two months or whatever to like rest his shoulder and whatever treatment they were going to do, like that wouldn't be the worst case scenario for me. Like that would be it would suck. Like the first overall pick you just drafted is going right. to miss two months or miss a month or whatever it is like that. That would suck, especially in a year where you're trying to win games. Yeah. But to me, it's like as long as he doesn't miss the season, you know, I, I just to- don't I just don't want this to be something where it's like, you know, comes off the bench and he's his shooting still looks weird and he's struggling and then they sit him for a week and they're going to reevaluate, you know, like one of yeah. those things where it's like, it just drags on for like a month and a half. And then finally he gets some sort of surgery. Yeah. Stop and start and stop and start. No, I don't want yeah. that either, but I'll be honest with you. I think losing him for the season while it would suck. I don't think I'm going to feel it as much as I would because we have Ben Simmons and we have Joel Embiid. Yeah. Uh, and 
I, I, I mean, even without him playing the last two games, their their team has looked great the last two preseason games. Not not surprisingly, it has everything to do with Joel Embiid being back. But man, Dario's looked really good. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of guys that have a lot of promise. I think, and I have no problem with him coming off the bench either. I think that's where he should be. We know that rookies do not impact the team in a positive way most of the time. Um, so it's fine. I just, I really do want him to be healthy. If he's, if he really requires surgery, if he needs that, I just want them to be honest, be honest and pull the bandaid off and get it over with. Like if he's going to be out for the season, fine. You know, just stop jerking us around. But, yeah. I, I, yeah, that's how I feel too. Yeah. Anyway, Max, I should let you go. You, we've been on for over an hour now and, I really appreciate you coming on and giving giving me an hour of your time. Also talking a little bit of politics on Twitter with me. That was fun too. Yeah. <laughs> but hey man, you're you're welcome on anytime. Why don't you um plug your stuff and tell people where they can find you? Sure. So um I guess the big things I do are the Step Over podcast, which you can find on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever else you listen to podcasts most likely. Um that's on Twitter at at the Step Over Pod. Um, also step over tees at step over tees on Twitter. Um, that's a t-shirt company kind of connected with the podcast, sell Sixers related t-shirts. Pretty awesome. Um, and then follow me on Twitter. My, I'm at Max Rappaport and honestly, like you'll see everything I do through that. And I write a lot less than I used to. So really the podcast, the podcast and the shirts are my main outlet and dumb tweets. That's pretty much it. <laughs> By the way, uh, I did get one of the uh, vegan jaw shirts. It's awesome. awesome. It's like one of my favorite <laughs> shirts, man. That shirt is inspired. I don't know how you thought of it, but it's great. I I just wish I wish you were more a part of the team. Like you're you're one of a few who have that shirt. I, I, it's one of my favorite ones that we've ever done. But um, yeah, it's uh, not a huge seller just because I think people see the writing on the wall and don't really care. A lot of people don't really care enough to get a Jewel Okafor shirt. Yeah, but that's all the more reason, man. Like, imagine, like, he's gone in a couple of months, right? This is this is such a moment in time. It encapsulates everything so succinctly, so perfectly. I Kudos to you, man. That was really great. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. My, my favorite is you can now you can buy tote bags on there, like grocery bags. Oh, really? Um so you can get a vegan jaw. It's, it's like a uh, Trader Joe's. It's done in the style of uh, Trader Joe's yeah. uh, with mostly vegan as a little tagline <laughs> under it. You can get one of those as a tote bag to bring to Trader, Trader Joe's, Joe's, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. That's dope. Anyway, Max, thanks again so much for coming on. And uh, anytime you want to hop on the show, you're more than welcome. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, of course. Um, there you go, everybody. Max Rappaport. Uh, follow him on Twitter and at Step Over Pod. It's awesome. Sorry to do so much Sixers for you again, but I know you're all excited about the Sixers season, so it's all good. So I'll see you guys again soon. Bye-bye.